I knew right away that recruiting was my gig. I'm, I'm, I'm a recruiter. I don't have any other marketable skills. I'm never going to change. This is who I am. I love it. Still love it. I've been doing it for almost 30 years now. I'm not even remotely burned out. I just, I dig it. This is what I do. All right. Welcome to the Resilient Recruiter podcast. This is your host, Mark Whitby, and I'm really excited to be joined by Monty Mertz. And uh, Monty is the managing partner of High Country Group in Denver, Colorado. The group has 23 members of staff, including 18 fee earners, and is comprised of a number of different divisions. So there's High Country Energy Search, High Country Executive Search, which is accounting and finance, High Country Tech Search, and High Country Staffing. So prior to launching the business in 2002, Monty spent eight years working for some of the biggest recruiting firms in the world, working his way up from running a desk to regional VP. Monty, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. You bet, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right. So we are introduced by our mutual friend, Jordan Rayboy, and um, you made a comment to me. uh, Well, how do you know Jordan? Well, let me just start there. (laughs) That, that's actually, I, I've listened to a couple of your other interviews of people that Jordan has introduced and uh, mine's fairly similar. My, yeah. my funny story on, on Jordo is basically I went to a, a conference that Jordan was speaking at and I only had about an hour uh, before I had to take off. So I listened in on him. And uh, as we were talking about a little bit earlier off mic, most recruiters have some issues. Um, and uh, by definition, a, a non a, a recruiter that doesn't have something interesting or different about them is probably either exceedingly average or on their way out the door. So, uh, you know, I, there's there's a lot of people in this world that are smarter than me. And there's a lot of people in this world that are dumber than me. But I run a pretty broad range of uh, being able to pull off some higher level stuff and some extremely lower level stuff. And I don't see too many people that show more range than me. You know, when I run into someone who's clearly brighter than me and clearly dumber than me, um, it, it gets my attention. So uh, that's what I saw. <laughs> I was listening to Jordan. And so in the that's first hilarious. break, I was like, listen, dude, I got I to gotta take off. But you and I probably ought to connect up and, and rap a little bit. So we ended up, uh, I think we went snowboarding a couple couple weeks after that. We've had some pretty good adventures of Boarding and biking and, and hanging out. By the way, today is uh, Giordo's birthday, so happy birthday, oh, Giordo! All right, um, awesome. And uh, anyway, uh, yeah, he is a, an incredibly bright dude and incredibly dumb dude. Uh, uh, just an overall good dude, and I uh, love him to death. I like it. Uh, I mean, I agree. This industry stroke profession attracts kind of oddballs and misfits, and um, so you need to be a little bit off balance, I think, to stick, stick at this and choose it as a, as a long-term, long-term career. Um, yeah, I, I agree. When I'm looking at uh, hiring people, I literally look for something either oddball misfit, or I like to call it exceptional. Um, right. <laughs> and whether, whether it's travel or languages, or we have a lot of athletes here or whatever, but mm. I, there's gotta be something because if there's just nothing that stands out, then there's just nothing that stands out. Amazing. I'm going to circle back to that because you told me you have built a team of absolute killers. And I want to know what your strategy is, because a lot of firm owners have trouble hiring good people, uh, ironically. Uh, So you've obviously got 
And you you mentioned your first hire still with you 16 years later. So you're doing something right there, but that's a preview of coming attractions. I'd like to do this in short, somewhat chronological order. Can you tell me about starting your firm? Because I think there's an interesting story there. Um, yeah, I, uh, I'm actually kind of a, an accidental tourist. I think a lot of people uh, conspire and figure out what they're going to do over years and years to get their firm started. And that's not at all what happened to me. I, I, um, I actually managed to get myself both hired or uh, promoted and subsequently fired in the same day for, uh, I guess, not showing the enthusiasm for the promotion that I got. That's how High Country came about. But I think it's kind of a longer story in that I'm just, a, as we were talking earlier, I'm, I'm a farm kid from Nebraska, grew up in the middle of nowhere, went to, went to a two-room schoolhouse, had three kids in my class, rode my horse to school. Like, it was a very <laughs> small, very, very small uh, upbringing. True story. And um, and it, what it led to, my, my, my mom was a big educator, which you'll get into a lot of the training stuff here. But, uh, you know, my when I went to city school and graduated with uh, – 39 kids after they got out of school, my six best friends married each other. And I was just like, <laughs> man, there's got to be something more out there. And I love them to death and love where I'm from. Wouldn't change a thing. But I was like, I got to do something different. And um, so I just I never grew up wanting to be a recruiter. No one ever does. But I, I wanted to get to Colorado. I'd gone out here. We did a lot of snowmobiling and horseback riding out in the mountains. And so my brother and I decided to move. I been selling payroll my one year out of school. And uh, that was the only job I ever had knocked on a door, which was Robert Haft's to sell them payroll. And uh, they're like, you should be a recruiter. And uh, I was like, nah, I'm not interested. As a matter of fact, it sounded like a scam when they told me what recruiting was. It didn't make any sense <laughs> at all. They just got on the phone and made a ton of money. And uh, anyway, so I told them I, I'd, I'd think about it, but I wasn't really interested. And then somewhat, you know, maybe a month or two later and said, Hey, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to Colorado. Called that person back and said, Hey, I, I'm not, I'm moving to Colorado. I'm not really interested, but if you would, if you'd be interested in, in an interview in Colorado, I'd love that. And, um, honestly, I'd have ridden on the back of a garbage truck if that had gotten me to Colorado. But, uh, anyway, I went and did the interview. It went really well and went up to Vail and hung out and messed around all weekend, came back down for my second interview. And, they said, you know, love to have you, which there's a funny story behind that one, too, which probably formed me up quite a bit. But what it led to was about three years at Robert Half, just running a desk and recruiting came very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. And so you know, immediately I was one of the top biller in the office and in the in the region. And and uh, I think what made me good at it. Well, I'll tell the, the story. They said, would you like to be a recruiter? My answer was, sure, love to. And then, are you going to be any good at it? I'm like, sure, absolutely. And then they hit me with, why? Why would you be good at it? And I figured the interview is pretty much over because I didn't really understand what recruiting even was. And from my previous um, meeting with them, I, I just kind of went with, you know, you said you got to be a hard worker and uh, grew up on a farm. So I'm a hard worker. That's no problem. Don to dusk. Said you have to... Um, be smart. You know, here's my, here's my GPA. So I think that box is checked. So you have to be competitive. And we talked about this a little bit offline. I was a wrestled all through high school and college and as a grad assistant coach. And, um, you know, I've got some issues competitively. I, I, uh, I, I can't turn that off. So that's not going to be a problem. And you have to have some leadership, which, you know, end up captain of every team I've ever been on. So yeah, I got that too. 
And the guy, you know, I was like, and I'll pack up my bags. So I didn't really answer your question. I just don't know what the answer is. And he's like, no, actually, that's the best answer I ever get. People say that I'm a people person. That's why I want to be a recruiter. And he's like, it's the people that screw everything up. So uh, anyway, I just I just basically said, yeah, I really don't even like people. That's not true. I do like people, but um, I don't like the emotional and the conflict and all that stuff. I just try and be very, very logical. And, and that's probably the, the common thread through there. Just, you know, just lock down, get a plan and grind it out. But uh, anyway, yeah, I did three years on at, at half. And uh, actually, somebody from half gave my name to someone at accounts on call or Agilon or Parker and Lynch or whatever they call themselves these days and said, Hey, we want you to be a manager. And thought, well, you know, I've got my MBA, so there's gotta be a management thing that I need to be doing. I, I must do that. And, uh, it just, you know, I did that from gosh, 97 to Oh two. <laughs> and that was a pretty good run in recruiting. Uh, I think, uh, you know, pretty much a moron could have stepped in and had pretty good success in that time in that market. But I went from having just one employee or one uh, front desk person and four attempts to, I think, I had about 50 people reporting to me by the time I was 30, 31. And, and uh, it, it was just it just exploded. I opened offices. I got I got a lot of amazing experience on somebody else's dime. You know, I made them some money. They made me some money and I, I wouldn't change a thing. Kind of like growing up in Nebraska. I wouldn't change a thing, but I'm not going back. And, <laughs> right. and uh, you know, both of my experiences, both with Robert Half, you know, just the, the big giants of the industry sort of, and if you look at the, our website, it's kind of when I accidentally started, got, got myself let go, accidentally started um, High Country, I basically just took the half of what we were doing at the previous places that really worked and just did that. And I took the other half that was inefficient and, you know, I have tons of thoughts and takes on that inefficient and just really wasn't doing us any good. Got rid of that and said, you know, that would be the kind of firm that I would want to work for. I knew right away that recruiting was my gig. I'm, I'm, I'm a recruiter. I don't have any other marketable skills. I'm never going to change. This is who I am. I love it. Still love it. I've been doing it for almost 30 years now. I'm not even remotely burned out. I just, I dig it. This is what I do. And, um, but it, it, it just seemed to me like you could simplify it, that the people were just making it harder and harder. And I think that's probably the, the common thread of everything you'll hear after this on High Country. Awesome. Hey, did you overlap with Neil Leibovitz at all at Agilent? Did. Do you know who that is? Yeah. I did, yeah. Yep, Neil was kind of the number two guy behind Diane O'Mealy at that time frame. And then and then he was running it for a while. So, yes, I had a, uh, a good overlap with him and knew him well. All Great right, dude. awesome. Yeah, good guy, definitely. Um, so how did you explain how you get promoted and fired in the same day? I you you kind of skimmed over that bit, and I didn't understand what actually went down. Yeah, neither did my wife. Um, <laughs> I I'm a I'm a lot of things, but uh, I'm not a uh, I'm, I'm not a I'm not a hypocrite. I I say what I'm going to do, and then I I do that. Uh, I don't change a lot. I change when there's a good idea. You know, I'm not a flavor of the day type guy. And so I'm very loyal and I'm very, I'm very much a grinder of just, I'm going to do this and, and I'm going to keep doing it. Um, we had a ton of success and, and, and the same thing happened at AOC where I was, where we blew that up that had happened at, at high country. High country is, you know, I act like it's a mistake. It's just the second iteration and a better iteration, but um, we just had a very, very 
I had a great group of people. I kept them forever. Um, the, the same, I think five people that I hired were with me. The first five that I hired were with me the whole five years that I was there and they just got better and better and better. And, uh, it was, you know, it's kind of a common thread, but it was more of a, it turned out being more of a, a lower volume, but very high quality, very high per desk average, very strict adherence to some, some really good metrics, not just throw shit up against the wall and see what sticks. And when the, the way I was able to get myself fired is, you know, it was actually, uh, it was right after nine 11, um, the market was getting real bad and, and, and AOC itself was pivoting, um, from being a very much a perm group, perm heavy to being much more, um, contract temp heavy. And, um, you know, to their credit, I mean, I think that that makes sense if you're a large company, but you got to know who you are. I'm a perm guy. You know, whenever you see that trainer, that's like, I'm both a perm and a temp guy. You're like, I don't know if I buy that. I mean, I think you're either one or the other and I love both, but I know what my DNA is, which is a little more, bit less volume. And so I was actually promoted into a role that would be much more temp oriented and much more number of phone calls as opposed to results oriented. And it was, that's not who I am. And those people that were working with me and had been working with me for five years, they knew who I am. I, I, I'm, I am who I am. If I had to come in the next day and said, Hey, I changed my mind. That's not who I am. Now I'm this, they'd have laughed me out of the joint anyway. So it wouldn't have worked. Um, and I wasn't willing to do it. And it was, <laughs> it was, the person who let me go uh, it was a friend of mine, still is. She was she was great about it. I'm just like, eh, what if I don't want to do that? And she said, um, well, then we'd have to write up a, a severance package, and we don't want to do that, do we? And she was kind of shaking her head no, and I was kind of maybe shaking my head yes, just <laughs> a little bit, you know, that door opened. And I had never <clears throat> wanted, you know, I was never that guy. When you go to the national meetings, there's always two guys at the end of the bar drinking beer and telling each other how they're going to – build a firm and sell it for $10 million for private equity. You know, it's never five, it's never 20. It's always going to be $10 million. And I know a lot of those guys, I love them to death, but that wasn't me. I, I felt super blessed. You know, I, I, I come from very, very humble beginnings. I, I couldn't believe how well I was doing when I was on a desk. I couldn't believe how, how well I was doing when I was, you know, running groups um, so I, I didn't have any beef with how it was going down. I, I was I was golden child. I was rising up through the ranks and it was working great. It just I just wasn't willing to or able to pretend I was someone who I wasn't. Awesome. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I now understand because on your LinkedIn profile, you have a comment which says that um your experience with large national firms revealed to not only what clients, candidates, and search professionals wanted in best practices, but also what they didn't want in what seemed to be the industry's worst practices. And a high country, you're all about refining a low-volume, high-quality approach to bring exceptional talent and committed companies together. That's It, it sounds like you're the similar theme to what you've just been talking about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have a working theory. I'm a recruiter. I'm a headhunter. I'm, I'm not even a marketer. So high country is really not very good at marketing. That's our weakness. What we're good at is finding people. Um, and I, I have this sort of leaky bucket bucket theory that if you're just going at it full speed, like a name, the national, you know, they've got 10 to 20 holes in their bucket where they're just constantly losing their clients by not delivering, not doing the mm-hmm. things that, that they expect. Um, and you're always going to be losing clients, but if you only have like one or two holes in your bucket, 
if you just do really good work and you're doing direct source recruiting and referral based recruiting um, and just doing it right, there's always going to be a spot for that. And I'm not mm. smack talking half, you know, they're making five, six billion in revenue a year. Something's right. But I only need, you know, I need a 0.001 and uh, and I can do really well, sleep like a baby, have a have a group that is it's just a I knew I was going to be a, a recruiter for life when I was at both those groups. But I didn't I didn't feel like necessarily the things that they were doing were sustainable. And so when I'm hiring people, I'm just like, would I take this job? When I stay in this job, would I do what they're asking me to do? You know, that's what I love about recruiting. It's a, it's pretty much a two-way mirror. You know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword. You, you can look at it that way, and it's pretty unemotional that way. It works. Awesome. Love it. So you have – you've become – you know, a successful firm, you've won awards for fastest growing and also best company to work for. Um, but from what I understand, you didn't start out with the intention of growing a firm. Can you talk, talk to me about like the first year of the business and, and what that was like? Yeah, it was terrible. Okay. I genuinely did not go into it. Um, I went into work one day to, uh, um, kind of talk about this promotion. And, and I was home by about 1030 and um, <laughs> told my wife that I'd gotten fired. She was surprised. Told her, I didn't actually tell her I got fired. I told her I'd started a new company. And uh, yeah, she was surprised. Um, but uh, so the first year was actually, I think it was the one thing that really formed me up. And, you know, it, it was, it was terrible, but at the same time, it made made me it made everything that that happened after that was after was was a result of that first year. Um, I just kind of fell into recruiting. I was successful, um, and I think honestly it was so easier, almost like a natural. Because some people are pretty natural to recruiting, and some people you just can't help them. Like they say, if you find someone natural enough, um, you can't mess them up. And if you in training them, and if you find someone who doesn't have it, you, there's nothing you can do to fix them. But it did come pretty natural to me, as did kind of the growth. Um, I was pretty spoiled. And, and my second shift, you know, so that first eight years was nothing but success, dropped into a desk by myself and just started hammering and didn't really, I think, as a, as a, as a younger person, I never did understand how much the structure really mattered and where everything mm -hmm. was coming from. And, you know, you just kind of feel like, hey. I'm killing it. This is all about me. And, you know, I was never short on confidence at any point. It's like, I'm just, I'm just doing this and it's all me. And that first year, you know, obviously it was a bad market and it wasn't even a full first year, but I did less than a hundred grand that year. And I, I, I worked my ass off. I mean, I, I made a million phone calls and I filled four deals. It was less than a hundred grand. And I knew, Hey, this isn't working. This is not going to feed my family. This is, I went from being full of confidence to, am, am I doing the right thing? So I did a bunch of research on, you know, I looked into all the different um, trainers that were out there and, and really be like, what was obvious is I needed a program, a plan, and then, then I could work it. I wasn't worried about, you know, my ability to work or my intellectual capacity to, to execute on it. I just needed a better plan. And, um, and actually what I did, I went to, um, and it was best thing ever. I went and, and uh, visited Peter Lafkowitz with Morgan Consulting Group, and 
you know, he is the epitome of just like, here's your skeleton. You know, you need to be able to source, recruit, interview and market. That's it. Just four tricks. That's it. And I did his his training on the rookie training. And then I went to his management training, which I have absolutely I mean, I'm a I don't have an original thought in my head. I am a professional parrot. You tell me what to do and I can boil it down into a sort of a lowest common denominator that not only works for me, but hopefully I communicate to what we're trying to get accomplished. And then everybody knows what we're doing. But um, I did that to myself. I just said, okay, I'm going to do exactly this. I mean, in my little tiny little office in my house, I had a whiteboard and I did every, I ticked and tied every single call interview, send out job order. I just managed myself to the nth degree. And I just said, forget about, and honestly, I think the lowest common denominator for me is interview, send out job order on a 360 perm desk. And I said, don't worry about how many phone calls you make as long as you're getting this and don't worry about what you're billing, just do the job exactly correct. And Mm -hmm. that first year, and and one of the things about my first year, I, you know, I had a non-compete and I stayed all national and that, that or I didn't do anything local. That taught me some lessons about who I really was. In my day 366, I was able to come back and say, okay, now I'm going to do this perfectly. That was why, you know, I actually honored the non-compete all the way out. Yeah. And that first year, I just, I just said, I'm going to not deviate one bit. I know exactly what my numbers need to be. I will not, you can have a bad day, but never have a bad week because that leads to bad months, bad quarters. And I really just, it just took off. And I ended up, um, you know, I'd sort of sworn off uh, managing because I had so many people so young and it, it did get a little bit crazy and, and emotional and all that kind of stuff. But I was taking it. I was having a lot of success my second year when I did kind of put myself on a very strict diet, a very, very detailed plan. So I'm a due day to day because um, all my aw shuck stuff, I'm absolutely a math and process guy at heart. And I just, I had too many jobs. I couldn't work them all. And, you know, I'm not planning on taking jobs. I'm not planning on filling. So I hired a guy and just said, Hey, this is exactly what I do. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to, if you do half of what I'm doing, we'll be fine, but don't deviate. I'm not, Mm -hmm. there's no points for originality. There's no points for anything, but just doing the job exactly how we're doing it. This is to stay within the lines. And um, immediately it took off for him. And then we hired and, and he stayed and then we got busy and we needed another person and he stayed and we're another person and she stayed. And we just, I think one of the things, the biggest benefit to me when people come up and say, Hey, how do we do this? I want to do exactly what you're doing. The kind of cheat that I have is I built a company around just, it's one desk. And this was my example. They come with like five desks and they're trying to change everybody's mind. I came, I was a complete convert. I'm like, this is how we're going to do it. And then from day one, everybody starts the same way. So it's a very common, we have common language. We have common metrics. We have common, everybody, you know, recruiting is agnostic. And if you do it right, it'll be, you'll be successful. It doesn't matter what you're doing it in. So even though we got four divisions, they're all doing the same thing. And it's not like this kind of tower babble. We've got a lot of really good retreads, you know, from different companies. And you know, I don't care if you called it GP before it's GM here. I don't care if you called it a send out there and now it's an interview. Like we have a very common, that's how we do it. Since you're listening to this podcast, it tells me that you're someone who's interested in personal growth and business improvement. That's something we have in common. I really enjoy listening to podcasts, reading and listening to business books, watching TED Talks, But by far the most important investment I've made in my own development has been working with a coach. 
It started back in 1999, 2000, when I was working as a recruiter. I hired a coach and he helped me to double my billings in 90 days. It was, it sounds corny, but it was really a life-changing experience. Since then, I've worked with various coaches almost continuously over the years, and it's made a massive difference to my own personal and business success. In fact, that first experience of working with a coach was the catalyst for me ultimately deciding that much as I loved recruitment, my true purpose was to become a coach and enable others to achieve their full potential. Fast forward to today, and I work with recruitment business owners to help them escape the feast and famine roller coaster and create consistent, predictable billings. If you'd like to know more, you can apply for a free strategy session at recruitmentcoach.com forward slash breakthrough. So you massively turned things around in, in year two to the extent that you were forced to hire someone, even though that wasn't in the original plan. Um, can I just drill down a little bit on this system that you have perfected and which you now teach to every new person who joins the business. Like you, you, you said it's, it's this process. You do not deviate. It's based on certain metrics. Like how does it actually work? Um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I mean, it's, most of my training, I like to think that 80% of my training is done before the person gets hired. If you know what you're getting yourself into, then, and you know what the job is, then you know whether you should take the job and whether you should even be here. But I've got this kind of, you know, I'll try and keep it short, but uh, I've got this little saying that is, it's kind of distilled of everything I've learned, but I have this funnel pound plus uh, thing that I talk about. I'll do, I do one presentation per year. I'll do one association or I'm, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a trainer. I'm not a coach. I'm not any of that kind of stuff, but I will get up once a year. This is my once per year, by the way, and say, this is how we do it because I'm huge on accountability. If I tell you, Hey, this is how we do it. And that's not how I really do it. Then I'm not going to be able to sleep at night. I'm just absolutely full of shit. If I, if you know, I have to be able to say, this is what we do. And then, yeah. and then be able to say, and here's our numbers to back it up. But my, my little funnel pound plus thing is it's easier to put up graphically, but, but verbally basically I need to know what to do is the funnel, how much to do. That's the pound. And plus is how to, how to not kill each other while doing it. So you've got envision a funnel and at the top of the funnel, but not in it, is phone calls and emails. And, you know, you've been doing this for 30 years and I'm a newbie. So I can't tell you that you need to do 100 phone calls and I need to do 100 phone calls. You know, that's kind of a variable, but that's a commodity that goes into the funnel of activity. All I really care about, and I talk about it all the time, is the lowest common denominator. I need interviews, send outs, and job orders. That's as things are moving through the funnel. Those are... I have 25 years of data that says if you do this many interviews, send outs and job orders, this will be your billing. There's no way to get around that. And if and if it's not coming out that way, then we have a training issue and I can identify it. And then I can I can speak to that individually. If like, oh, wow, you got a ton of interviews and no send outs. That means that we got a quality issue and we can address that and how you're doing your interviews or selecting who you're interviewing. But anyway, um, you know, the variable is the, 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 the number that's going in the top, the non-variables that everybody needs to work on are the interview send outs and job orders. And then the other variable that I just, you know, it's up to you is sort of the money that comes out the bottom. 
I've never really been that guy that said, hey, what'd you bill this week? I'm always, I, I don't care what you bill. I figure you have your own financial goals and therefore you tell me what you want to bill and I'll help you get there. I'll help you get there by writing a prescription of how many send outs, you know, and job order interview send outs and job orders you got. So I can tell you exactly what to do with that funnel. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of my definitions. The, the pound is really like the pound sign. And really all I'm doing is trying to put together a, a three levels of excellence, acceptable and unacceptable across the top and interviews, mm-hmm. send outs and job orders against that grid. And we basically just have, Green, if you're doing excellent levels of activities, that's a green number. If you're doing acceptable levels of activities, that's a black number. If you have unacceptable, that's a red number. I love my people. I love who I'm, I'm working with. These are my, my best friends. These are my family and, and, and buddies. Um, but if someone comes in and, and says, oh, man, I had such bad luck last month. It just didn't work out. I had a couple of deals that just went south on me. I'm like, cool. That's fine. You know, I'm, we too bad we didn't get the billings. Let's take a look at your activity. And and they have like, you know, four send or they have less than 12 interviews, less than four send outs, less than two job orders. Those are all red numbers, like, you know, nothing personal and not emotional, but you just didn't do your job last month. I mean, we can go have a beer this afternoon, but we both know it wasn't bad luck. You just didn't do your job. If you want to be average, if you just want to be mediocre, you know, build two, 300 grand, just do black numbers all day long and you'll be successful. You know, red is failure. Black is just average. But if you want to be excellent, you need to do these activities and these will be your results. So there's no there's no hiding. I mean, our entire office is covered up in these. The metrics are on the wall, covered up in whiteboards. There's red, green and black numbers. And people can sit there and talk smack all they want. But, you know, exactly <laughs> the scorecard. That says, hey, there's 18 recruiters here and we love you to death, but you're 17th. And it's it's just it's, it is what it is now, it, from the background we were talking about earlier. You know, I, I wrestled all through high school and college. And I mean, honestly, it's it's the it's the perfect parallel to wiring a recruiter. Wrestlers aren't known for being all that bright, but they are known for just being, you know, hammers, grinders and um in, in a wrestling, wrestling, you, you have to surround yourself with really tough dudes that are going to push you. And so that's the team aspect of it. If you have a soft team, you're probably soft too. But when you go out and do your thing, it's very obvious who got their ass kicked. It was you, like you, you lost. It wasn't like, Hey, the team, somebody dropped the ball or something like either you won or you lost. That's what I love about recruiting. Like it is complete, pure accountability, pure score, Pure, you either did it or you didn't. And then you don't have to sit there and argue. I don't do well in pickup basketball games. It usually leads to uh, people calling non-existent fouls and uh, like I, I lose my mind. I can't. <laughs> I don't do it. So, wow, that was fantastic. Monty, let me just make sure we're all talking the same language because we've got people list- who will listen to this from all different countries, different um you know, verbiage. So first of all, when you say pound, are you talking about the number sign, like the hat? The Exactly. Exactly. Right, like okay. the grid, which will give you nine boxes and then across the top, then you could divide that into an excellence, acceptable and unacceptable. And then to the, on the left side, then you could break that down into a, an interview, a send out and a job order. 
that's that's my math for a um, and I have very specific numbers, which if I start rattling them off, which I can do because I've done a thousand times, it would just confuse it. But that's a 360 desk. And yeah. then my my staffing group, um, because we do break that into a, a, a sales and a fill, then that split mm-hmm. desk has its own grid th- that we work, um, work the same way. But that would just it, it's more convoluted. Mm-hmm. Um, 360 is the the ultimate it's all on you. Here's how you do it. Yes. And to me, what you do is, you know, if you, what, what I, what I try to do with that is, is come up with a way to make this a sustainable job. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get into recruiting if you don't like roller coasters, but you can, you can level out that, that the ups and downs. If you do your job every single month, if you do enough interviews, enough send outs and enough job orders in this case, um, you'll be successful. If you're weak in one area, you, you're going to be on a roller coaster. You know, you have tons of interviews and no job orders. So we actually, my comp plan is, is I, I have a very, very aggressive comp plan. I figure I want to pay people at such a high level that, you know, these are my, you know, close friends, but I don't want them to be like, man, I could be doing so much more somewhere else. I'm never going to lose somebody because somebody else is paying them more. That's on the high end. On the low end, I mean, I'm a manipulative bastard for sure, and I use math to my my levels. I know that if you're struggling so much to make a make a living, um, that you're just you 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 need more money. That's going to encourage you to head for the door. So yeah. I've, it's a whole nother story, but it's it's definitely intentionally set up that if you're successful, you're no, you'll never leave. If you're not being successful after a year or so, um, then the noose kind of starts getting tighter and tighter and more and more uncomfortable. And, and, and it's it's your idea. I'm not a I'm not the higher, slow, fire, fast guy. I'm a higher, slow, fire, slow person. And you can't get fired around here for you can resign if you're not making the money you want. You can't get hired around here. We say it actually is you don't get fired for not billing. You can only be fired for being an a-hole. You know, that that's oh, not tolerated. And we don't need yeah. we don't need anything around here that is integrity issues. Um, you know, if you're going to be a hothead and always be arguing with people, I, I don't I don't need that. We got yeah, to get. Absolutely. So um, can I just clarify what you mean? A send out is you're sending a candidate to meet a client. Yeah, a uh, yeah. And, and these are these definitions are all absolutely stolen and parroted from uh, from Lefko. I mean, I get yeah. one thing; it makes sense to me, Lefkowitz, um, and that's the definition that I'm going to run with. So they're not, you know, industry wide. Everybody's got their own. But an interview is a face to face interview between a recruiter and a candidate. A send out is a face to face between a candidate and a and a client. A yeah. job order is actually only a job order when, you know, anybody, I don't, I don't really need 25 terrible orders brought in that nobody can work. Mm-hmm. I only call it a job order when there's been a send out on it, when it's been christened. Mm-hmm. So that way I don't have somebody walking in the door thinking they're killing it with a bunch of job orders when we all know that they're garbage. Um, okay. denominator stuff. And then Excellent. I do use the, I have a point system, which is kind of convoluted to get into here, but I use that that point system to develop a, an activity bonus. And so I pay $1,000 a month, up to $1,000 a month of activity bonus to all my recruiters. 
And it works really well because right out of the gates, you're not going to be making the money you want to make because the billings take a while. But um, but I'll say, hey, here's if you're interested in making an extra thousand bucks. In other words, that that's what they want to do. That first 90 days, you really get them to focus on how to do the job right because they want to make that thousand bucks. Once they're billing, you know, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars. Uh, that thousand dollars doesn't move the needle anymore. So they just go off and do their own thing once they're established. But mm-hmm. once they're until they're, you know, what I consider anything over 300 um, in billings, I consider into that excellence level. As a matter of fact, mm-hmm. we do an annual trip to Mexico, an all inclusive uh, five day trip down to Mexico. And everybody that bills over 300 gets to go with their um, with their uh, significant other. And we took 16 people last year. So we took 32 16 couples. We took 32 people to Mexico wow. last year. 16, awesome. 16 people did over 300. So that was the 2019 when we were killing it. 2020, not so, not so bueno. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's a really high percentage of your, uh, of your team, Monty. Let's talk about hiring then because you, you, well, I mean, what you just said highlights the fact because most firms will have a couple of like one or two producers and then one or two who are either new or they're struggling, they're on the way out. And then, of course, most people are going to be somewhere in the middle. They're doing okay, but they're not, you know, not going bananas. But it sounds like you have a, you don't have that bell curve. You've got a disproportionate number who are in the excellent range. Um, what's your, how do you get such good people? How do you find them? How do you get them on board? Um, well, first of all, I mean, now I, this, this past year I haven't as much, but I usually meet probably one person per week as a potential person to hire. I, I try to do one interview per week. I'm not working a desk anymore, but I'm always recruiting for internal here, but I only hire that's one a week, maybe two. Uh, I only hire one or maybe two per year. So I think one of the things, you know, where the, the big, uh, hypocrisy of our industry is that we, we, we hire all these people for people yet we suck at hiring people. Um, and I think that stems from the fact that most recruiters are trying to get a deal put together, right? That's the ultimate, right? And most managers thought they were a recruiter came from being a recruiter. So if they find someone they can hire, they think that's a W And, and you know, if you really, really get it straight, it's that, like, look, I've only got a certain amount of desks. This is primo real estate. So you've got to, you know, I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't turn anybody over. My average tenure is over eight years now. And that's what, you know, uh, if you just average it across these 18 desks. So wow. not only if I hire a really good person, do they all stay? If I ha- hire a, an idiot, they tend to stay too. Um, and I don't want that. So I'm very, very careful and I'm very, very blunt and upfront and being able to tell people in the interview process, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is how I work. And if that's interesting to you, we might have something, but they're not walking into something where they think it's going to be easier than what it is. So it, to me, it's, it's, it's interviewing a lot of people, a lot of, and, and I can get, get more into, I think our, our reputation and culture sort of sells itself. And, you know, because we're mostly local, a lot of people will say, Hey, I'm interested. Can we chat about this? And I really go get into the kind of the, I'd rather have 18 to 20 rock stars 
than a hundred idiots. You know, I, I just, I just don't have it in me. I'm getting old. I don't have it in me to just keep training and losing people and training and losing people. When I worked at half, you know, they'd hire 10 to get two. I hire yeah. one to get one. That's, that's my mindset. And then when I sit down at a very specific interview that I walk through and everybody, everybody that works here has heard the same thing. I'm like, my first interview with a person is pretty much, Hey, I'm excited about what we're doing. I love high country. I feel like we are, you know, a premier place and we're killing it. So I'll do you, I'll do a little dance for you in this first one and tell you who we are and how we work. And we'll go through the funnel pound plus and we'll go through how much success we're having and stuff. Then we'll have another interview. And if it feels like I'm trying to talk you out of it, it's because I am like, I really don't want you. I really need you. I really need to tell you that, you know, recruiting sucks. It's a horrible job. (laughs) It's a great career. And if you're not willing to just absolutely slog through this and get through that first year, and this doesn't sound like something you want to do, it's a phone job. Do you like being on the phone? If you don't like being on the phone, we'll go, we'll just go have a beer and talk about all kinds of fun stuff, but this isn't for you. If you're not willing to put in that grind, if you're not willing to do all this, then it's probably not the right answer. And, and, and honestly, it's also sort of a management thing. I only hire people when I worked at half, they hired a lot of 200 K billers and tried to beat them into being 300 K billers. I need someone who only wants to bill 300. And honestly, I can get by if they bill 200. So instead of me beating them to make them better, these people need to come to me and I'll tell them that you need to come to me and say, I need this. I need that. This isn't good enough. I need that. So I'm not here to motivate you. I'm motivated, but I can't, you know, you need a hug. I got a hug for you, but I'm not going to sit there and hold your hand every day. Look over your shoulder and tell you what to do. And like I said, we have all these kind of whiteboards and stuff. Everything around the office says, this is what I'm doing. It just, it just, it's right above your head. Like those are your numbers. You're doing your job or you're not. If you don't like that kind of accountability, this probably isn't the kind of place for you. I got a ton of athletes. You know, I got some people that are running 245 marathons. I got people that are just killing it. And they're like, yeah, I don't you know, get out of my way. Don't talk to me. You know, my uh, Kevin Clemens, who's built close to a million dollars, um, is one of my best buddies outside of office. And we, you know, we hang out as families, they're, they're family. And my wife will say, hey, what about Kevin this? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't talked to him for a couple of weeks. She's like, you see him every day. I'm like, yeah, well, he, <laughs> he doesn't even want to talk to me. Like he, he's here. He's a laser. And I have, I have lasers. I tell people that's what I want. I said so, sort of a side story. The first five people, I kind of lie. The first five people that, that I hired here are still here. Just don't turn them over. There was actually one in there and she was actually great. But when uh, uh, I got my first person up and running, I hired his sort of assistant, sort of his um, uh, researcher as like our third hire. And it, it was, we basically were like, yeah, we're killing it. You know, it was back in the day close to 20 years ago now and like we're killing it and this is just going great. And it's so, you know, just all you got to do is this. And she really struggled the first six months. And I sat down with her. I'm like, Hey, let's talk about this. And she, we, we started doing this PC. I call my little thing, a personal conference that I try to get with, you know, everybody once a month or once a quarter, depending on who they are. I'm like, how's it going? And she looked me right in the eye and said, you said it would be easier than this. And it was like yeah. a seminal moment to me to be like, I don't think I said that, but she might be right. I might have implied that. And I'm not a firer, but I just closed my notebook. I'm like, I, I think we're done here. I think I've ruined you. 
this isn't going to work because this isn't easy. Like I said, it, it's, it's awful. It's recruiting. You got to be a grinder. And if that's not what you're up for, she's like, I, I didn't mean that. And I'm like, yeah, actually you did. I get it. Um, and so it really changed every human that I ever meet. I try and talk them out of it. So mm. if, if, if you tell somebody they can't do it, they're generally going to either walk away mm-hmm. or they're going to show you that they can do it. They're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. And I've had, I have a permanent, chip on my shoulder of things that, you know, my, my wrestling career of, you know, you're, you're talking to the kid that was like one step below every time of, you know, and, and so I, I'm like, tell me I can't do it. I'm going to, I'm going to show you that I can. Awesome. You know, it's funny. You said um, something that I tell my clients, which is you need to always be interviewing because if you only start interviewing when you actually need to hire somebody, you're then just going to pick the best person who you saw that week. And they may actually not be the right person for your business. And I see this so often where, you know, you want to, you want to interview a lot of people, but then only hire, you know, a a small number of people, a small proportion of that. And from what you just said, you hire like one in 50 people that you actually meet or, or something like that. Whereas I think the average owner will interview five people and hire one of them. Yeah. Right. And then, but then they go, then it takes them like they, they lose three out of every four. They, they hire four or five to, to get one. I, in fact, I would say that I don't know what you, you see, but I would say that if you can get one out of three to stick, then that's, that's above average. Yeah. I think that is above average, but I would consider one out of three sticking a, a horrible failure. Yeah. Um, oh, for sure. And, yeah. You know, I, I lost during in the past year with COVID, mm. I lost two people mm-hmm. and I hired three. The two people were, you know, were great people, but COVID was not the right place for them to be a recruiter. Mm. The three that I got were rock stars and, and they were they were. I, I don't I didn't need I didn't need three more people. I didn't need anybody else. I, I, I have a big enough group. Um, and so I never have like a chair that needs to be filled. Like at, at, at half, you have an FTE, you're going to hire a full-time employee because there's a spot there. I'm completely opportunistic. As a matter of fact, I don't want, I, I don't want to get any bigger. I don't mean that, but I don't want to get any bigger. <laughs> I only hire people when I just can't help it. Like it just like, it would be stupid not to, that's my hiring process. And <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm on the fence, it means it's a no. You know, I right. think that's, that's, that's a, that's, that's a Ray boy. You know, if it's not a, if it's not a hell yeah, I think there's an F bomb in there too, but if it's not a hell yeah, then it's a no. Um, right. And, and, and that's, that's how I, you know, it's very easy to be like, Hey, these are rock stars. I can't pass on this person, you know, yeah. as opposed to, I like them and I want to, it's just like, nope, it's, it's either, it's just like mana from heaven. I'll take them. And as a matter of fact, I hate to say it, but I, I, I sort of cheat the sort of creative sportsmanship in that, I'm not now like I'll, I will occasionally bring in some some rookies and I got a couple of rock stars. I mean, if you really want to get a rock star, rock star, just find a rookie that doesn't know anything. You're just like, oh, my God, this person's got it all. And I'll take the risk on that one. Yeah. But I, what I really I do a lot of people who are successful and just burned out on that corporate piece. Like I, I get why you wouldn't want to wouldn't want to be there forever. And I'm like, hey, this is our situation. And it's better. You get paid more, you get a lot more flexibility. You're, you know, don't be bullshitting me because if you're not this, you're not going to like this. Like if, mm-hmm. if you can't do this, you're not going to like working here because 
I'm not, you're doing the billing, not me. You have your number. I'll help you get there. But you better not be bluffing because it's going to, it's going to end badly. Um, Monty, um, how do you recognize a rock star? You told me like what your technique is to weed out the people who don't really want it. But, um, you know, I think this is the difficulty is the owner sitting there. They've got, they've met people and they think she seems good. I, you know, I like what she said. She's, she seems like she might like, what do you think? Yeah, let's hire her. Um, and they, they're, they're, they're guessing basically. And they've got uh, a better chance of, um, you know, uh, tossing a coin than choosing the, the person that's going to come in and be a high performer. So how you use the word rock star quite a lot. Like what do you look for that signals she has got it? Um, I would actually just tell her, Hey, I only hire rock stars. Are you one of them? <laughs> okay. Explain it to me. Like you, right. you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just say, tell me how you're a rock star. Cause everybody's every rock star has got their own. You can be, country or metal or whatever. There's a lot of different versions of it, but tell me. And they're like, well, you know, I, I and they start crying. You probably got the wrong person. If they're like, well, I don't know. I'm, I just, I've been selling greeting cards since I was five years old and I did this and I did that and I did this and did that. You're like, yeah, there you go. You know, it, it's, it, it's not that hard. Um, and uh, I, you know, I mentioned Peter Lefkowitz, um, another one of the guys that I, you know, who was a great mentor and friend of mine, Another really good mentor and, and close friend of mine is, is Jeff K. And Jeff, oh yeah, you know, I know hear him say from time to time, hey, when you're in an interview, he talks about integrity. And, and, and I say this in every one of my interviews. I, 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 I give him credit for it, though, is, uh, look, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And if, if I don't do that, that's an integrity. You know, this is what high country is. What I'm telling you is what high country is. And if it's not, that's an integrity issue on my side. I'm going to ask you who you are and what you want to do. And you tell me. And for all, I'm not, again, all that bright. I take lots of notes. I write it down. You're like, I want to build 500. I want to do this. I want to do that. If you don't, if you don't do that, that's an integrity issue on your end. So if we have a problem six months down the road, we can just go back to my planner, which I've got this old school Franklin planner that I, people make fun of me still. We'll go back, review the conversation and say, this is what we agreed we were going to do. So who screwed up? You know, who, who didn't live up to their end of the deal? Sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's you. Most of the times, the people who aren't planning on doing what they say they're doing somehow find a different job, decide that they're going to do something else, go internal, whatever they want to do. And that's fine as well. It's, it's, it's not finding the rock stars. It's weeding out the non rock stars. Hmm. Interesting. Wow. That's awesome. So listen, where, where do you go from here? It's, you give the impression, Monty, and I'm not sure how, whether to take it face value or whether it's just part of your, your persona, you give the impression like you're reluctantly growing this massively successful firm and there's not really a grand plan, but you must have a vision for what, you know, where you'd like to take this. Um, yes, but yes, but no. I mean, <laughs> I, the, the real question there is, you know, what's your exit plan? And, and I don't have one and none at all. I'm going to, I'm going to kill it and crush it. I'm not burned out. I got another 10 years. I've been doing it for 20 years. I'm 
I'm blessed beyond blessed of what, you know, I came from very humble beginnings and I, I don't have, I've got, you know, I don't need a hundred million dollars of going public or whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, private equity firms would not like me and I wouldn't like them if they're going to come in and be like, we're going to double it. We are doing just fine. My real goal, I've got some awesome people and I got some awesome young families and we've got like two families are having babies this month and I get my yucks out of my goal is everybody here should make six figures, right? That's success for them. And I yeah. want these younger families to have success. I, and if, and if I have enough of them, if I have enough of those people having success, my life is made because it's not that I'm not money motivated. It's just that I'm competitive enough that if I achieve my competitive goals, the rest is going to fall into place just fine. Mm. Um, when I need to, I do try to run this company like I'm not here, like I'm not going to be here someday, not because I need to get out of here, but because I owe it to these people that it's got some it's got sustainability if I'm not available and that other people can take over for it. But um, it's 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 funny because it, there isn't like a financial I got to do this and this is the plan. I feel like if you do it right you're doing it right and it's going to work. And I think that the people and, and God love them. And I've, I've got a lot of friends who pulled it off and are really good at it is if you tell somebody, Hey, I'm going to build this company. This is just the way I see it. Cause I'm a farm kid. I mean, if, if someone's outside working, everybody's outside working. And it, it's like, if, if I say I'm going to build this company on the backs of you guys, then I'm going to sell it, take the money and head out the door. And you guys are here to you know work for somebody else. It just, it, just to me as, as my personality, that's a little disingenuous because I know what I'm doing here. And that being said, I mean, I used to work, I used to put in the hours, you know, at half and at AOC and the first 15 years here, you know, I was, I was first in last out. Um, now I try to remove myself a little bit and, and, and I'm taking it easy a little bit. I'm, I'm 51. I, I feel like I've not, I've deserved the chance to, I just, they need to make some of their own decisions so, you know, I got all my meetings set up on Monday and I'm just jamming and I, I get my stuff done. Tuesday, I'm like, I'm not here. That's actually affectionately known. Tuesday is known as Monty Day. <laughs> I'm, either, I'm either meeting with people. I'm doing my, that's when I do all my coffees for the, you know, that, that one per week. That's usually happening on Tuesday. I'm just not in the office or I'm fishing or snowboarding or I'm biking or whatever. So I've got a really good work-life balance. And even I think around here, the people know what they're trying to get accomplished and there'll be a good balance for them too. If you only, if you're happy making, you know, 80 or 90, then you do what you need to do to make that. Just don't bitch to me about wanting to make more when you weren't doing more like that. That's, that's your, you know, the scenario is there for you. So there really isn't an exit plan outside of, you know, ultimately I do have a, a partnership plan. I have seven, like I'm the hundred percent owner, but I have a, um, a phantom equity plan that actually Danny Cahill, I'll give him a shout out to as well. Mm. I, I stole his word for word. He actually was super generous and sat on the phone with me for a couple hours and explained to me how it should work. And that's worked out fantastically because I do want to retain the, you know, we have like a, we have a kickoff meeting and we have like our big, uh, once a year and we have our, our, the new partners and we it just, it's a, it's a, these are the badasses. These are the people we want to retain forever. And so we're, I'm going to share with them. But I think now I'm, as I get, you know, in this personally, as I go from 50 to 60, I'm going to do some sort of an ESOP or some sort of a, where people having even more, you know, I don't want to go broke doing it, but I want them to have even more skin in the game so that they continue to take it. And then, you know, 
if I'm not here, then then it, it can go on into perpetuity. Love it. And you're leaving a fantastic legacy. So, Monty, thank you. That's been really fun uh, conversation. So I appreciate your time and, and, and thank you again. You bet. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to The Resilient Recruiter. If you've enjoyed the show, the best way you can show your support is to click that subscribe button. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.